This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It is a beautiful Monday morning. The sun is shining. Birds are singing. And Jabari Smith is a Houston Rocket. I am ecstatic uh, how the 2022 NBA draft went. The Houston Rockets end up with Jabari Smith at number three. A huge shock to all of us who expected Paolo Bancaro to, to fall down to number three. Paolo goes number one. Chet goes two. Jabari who most have, had thought would be the number one pick, falls into the Rockets' lap at number three. Not only that, the Rockets get Tari Eason out of LSU um, at number 17 and move down from 26 to 29, pick up a couple extra second-round picks, and get Ty Ty Washington, who many thought would be a very good pick for the Rockets at 17. They get him at 29. Uh, an incredible haul. Three needs, three just promising prospects for the Rockets, and Rafael Stone may have had himself another A-plus draft. I Definitely what I would say. I'm here with my co-host, David Wiener. You know him as Bima Thug. David, what was it like for you for this draft? It was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I could not have scripted a better outcome than what the Rockets did. Except for um, Chet falling, correct? Uh, yeah, Chet falling would have been the only the only way I could have done it better because he was number one on my board. Um, but it it was phenomenal. I mean, it was almost like just pure fan service for me because they even traded down and got extra second round picks. And, you know, I'm second round pick guy. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I mean, we you you were over at my house, Dave, for Beamer Draft Party and. I mean, obviously you were ecstatic on the Jabari pick and we were both ecstatic on the on the Eason pick and I I started blurting out obscenities <laughs> of joy with the Ty Ty Washington pick. I mean, it it, it, it was fantastic. They, they really managed this draft so well. Um I don't know if I would have had the stones to trade down from 26 to 29 cuz I would have been afraid Ty Ty would be gone. Uh but they did it. Yeah, it's amazing how sometimes they pull these deals and still get the guy that they wanted. I don't have the information. I, I still tend to think if Bochamp had been there, maybe they stay. Um, there might have been a few guys that they figured at 26 were, they were taking, and then at 29 maybe they had a few options they were they were going to be good with. But, you know, you and I at 26 were sitting there watching him and Jaden Hardy, and we're like, both these guys are available. You definitely had Ty Ty uh, above Hardy and I, I think I did too, but it was I was just like, hey, I'm I'm gonna be thrilled with either one of those two, um, and they still get him at 29, pick up those second round picks, and I th- believe you uh, have been told that it's uh, to, you want to tell us which those picks are. Oh those? sure, yeah. So uh, Minnesota traded their own 2025 second round pick and their own 2027 second round pick to move up those three spots. Um, you know, Wendell Moore Jr. is good. He's probably gonna be a good fit for Minnesota, but. 
I think we got the better player in the trade and two second round picks. And I, you know, like, like you said, I'm definitely one of those people, uh, who would have been fine if they took Ty Ty Washington 17. Although I did have Tari Eason ahead of him on my own personal draft board, but the Rockets drafted the best player available on my board at every spot. You know me, I had, uh, Chet one, Jabari two, Paolo three. So we got my number two guy at three. I had Easton, I think, 13th on my board. We got him at 17. And I had Ty Ty 18 on my board, and we got him at 29 and two second-round picks. I mean, the only way this could have been better, just assuming they took who fell to them, was you know if they had maybe bought a second-round pick, get a draft and stash guy just to have someone to pine over. You know, you and I missed the days of Sergio Yule and having <laughs> someone's draft rights to pine over from oh, afar. Absolutely. But... <laughs> I mean, we miss those days. I, I think about them every day. But now – let me take this opportunity, and folks at home, Dave probably doesn't want me saying this, but I have to address the elephant in the room, which is the the Bankero boat and Jabari jungle and all these other nonsensical uh, factions. The fact of the matter is the Rockets did not have the number one pick in the draft. The Rockets had the number three pick in the draft. They were always going to take whoever fell to them at three. It didn't matter who you liked more, and it never made sense that all the different factions were arguing with each other. The Rockets are going to get a good player no matter what. If it's the player you like the most, good for you. But at the end of the day, they're going to get a really good player. He's going to follow them at three, and no one's going to blame the Rockets for not taking the other guys because they didn't have a chance to get the other guys. I am ecstatic with Jabari. I would have been fine with Paolo. I would have loved Chet. I'm happy no matter what. People need to stop arguing with each other. <laughs> well, I will say this. This had built up for a lot of people well before the lottery results. I, I, matter of fact, as far as I was concerned, once the lottery results were in, there, you, know, you could talk about the different prospects, but like like you just said, it's a math issue. You're picking third. Whoever falls is who whoever falls. It would have only been an issue if the Rockets had moved up or if Jaden Ivey had gone the top two, then you have a choice between a couple of prospects um, yeah, it was silly that it, I think that continued past the lottery. Um, up until the lottery, I think it was a big question. If the Rockets had the number one pick, who would you take? And it, if the Rockets did have the number one pick in, in this draft, I think the last month would have been pretty crazy as far as fans just eating at each other and, you know, who, who they should take. And it, it was, you know, and David, such a wild draft. We've never seen anything like this. I, I think the Rockets, I think everybody in the league was thrown off guard. I mean, if Woj is thrown off guard, um, then something's definitely amiss because Orlando kept un- it under wraps uh, unless they changed their minds in, in the last day or so before the draft, but they kept it under wraps completely who they were interested in. They let that, they let it be out there that Jabari was going to be the guy, their social media account shared, you know, basically through a parade when Jabari was there for a workout interviews they posted photos they posted chet and paolo whatever they end up doing there's nothing from the social media accounts on those guys um it it just seemed really fishy i wonder if maybe a few people in the league are a little bit upset and maybe even paolo's camp i mean i'm sure he's quite happy you know everything now but certainly you could tell on his face he was caught off guard yeah i mean look other teams in the league can be upset all they want i don't think orlando owes anything to the other teams in the league um, I do feel bad for both Jabari and Paolo in the sense that I think 
if I'm Jabari, I was given every indication that I'd be picked number one by Orlando and then to have this thrown, you know, thrown for a loop. Uh, I don't blame him for being upset. And then Paolo too, you know, it sounded like he wasn't in consideration for number one. Probably he got really comfortable with Houston or Oklahoma City. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, much like Rockets fans getting themselves very comfortable with Paolo when we thought it was all but certain that he was going to be the third pick. And then you kind of get used to the idea and then it all changes on you at the last second. It's, it's, it's unsettling. So I, I don't blame Paolo for being a little unsettled with everything that happened. So it was very odd for a team with the number one pick to be playing games like that. Um, you know, maybe it had to do with the fact that Paolo didn't meet with them until the last day or two before the draft, but to go right up until like 30 minutes before the pick and, and just change your mind like that just was extremely odd. Oh, and, uh, I think I, I, I'm not even kidding. I mean, there, like I said, there are a select few I, I don't feel bad for, but, but most people, uh, most Rocket fans, I, I really do feel bad for the ones that actually were so, you know, committed to, to Paolo because it was, you know, the last month we had talked ourselves into him, you know, right? I mean, like, uh, that's who we expected to fall there. Um, you know, he wasn't the, the number one choice. He was kind of a close, um, third choice among Rocket fans before the lottery results and then had a whole month to hype up Paolo and, and, you know, photoshops of him in Rockets uniform. It's just, it, I think everyone got their hopes up for him, and then it, you know, had to go back to what was their number one choice before the lottery. So it was a really, really strange thing. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm thrilled. I, I absolutely love Jabari, David. To to have a prospect now who's a legit 6'10", he's being talked about as 6'11", uh, from his father, and it's hard to say on that, but a legit 6'10", who is a just an exceptional shooter. I mean, his form and everything is impeccable um, and has incredible defensive upside. Yeah, there are definitely some things to work on. You know, the shot creation is an issue, but he's not going to be asked to be a primary facilitator or really even a a huge, you know, factor as a secondary facilitator. He's going to be a sniper. He's going to be able to get his own shot, his shot creation abilities from, say, 17, 18 feet all the way out to three-point range. He's got some things to work on, but his ability, in my opinion, I think to just turn around, shoot over people, um, you know, one dribble moves, uh, just jabs, rip moves. I think he is going to be an exceptional player in the league, and I'm just ecstatic that he's a Houston Rocket. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I would say the, the, the reason he was number two on my board and not number one is I just think that Chet ceiling, his, 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 if you're talking about your – you know, 99 percentile outcome. Like, what's your best possible outcome? I think Chet's is higher than Jabari's personally. I also think Paolo's is probably higher than Jabari's. But if I'm looking at median outcome, like, what is this player most likely going to be? I think it is more likely that Jabari is a major piece to a championship caliber team than Paolo which is why I had him above Paolo on my board, even with, in, in my own personal opinion, a slightly lower ceiling. It's just, I think the, the odds that this kid is not a great key piece to winning, not just making all-star teams, uh, but winning basketball, uh, I, I think are, it, it's extremely high that he's going to be a piece of, of a winning team, hopefully here in Houston. Oh, yeah, I agree with that 100%.
I'm in and, love. With- and I'll tell you what, another benefit. But again, we were never drafting based on this. But given his defense, his lateral quickness, uh, while he's not nearly the rim protector that Chet is, he's you know he can block some shots. He's got length. He is a perfect fit next to Alperin Shangun, who now I think the Rockets can probably more safely start at center. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a really big thing for Shangun. I think uh, you know if the Rockets had gotten Paolo, I would have I would have liked Paolo better than Shangun as far as a prospect. I would have considered him a core piece, uh, him and and uh, you know uh, Jalen together. But I think Shangun's days were numbered as far as a starter. It w- there was going to be a lot in a in a short amount of time that he would have to prove that he could he could be next to Paolo. Whereas with Jabari, there at least there's enough of a contrast where some of those um, defensive weaknesses are are helped. I think that's a great point. And you know, as far as Jabari as well, I know a lot of prospects. You hear stuff like this. I got a, a DM from somebody I didn't know, but he was a, I think an editor or writer for a local paper where um, he covered Jabari Smith since he was a freshman. And he just DM'd me and he said, hey, I'm a Rockets fan now. I'm, I'm riding with you guys. You know, everybody loves Jabari Smith. Like, just talked about his character. He said, my favorite story with Jabari Smith is, you know, when he was a, f- a freshman, my first time I covered him. You mean a freshman in high school? In high school, correct. He was saying, um, you know, the, or I don't know if he, he didn't specify that he was a freshman. He just said the first time I interviewed him, he was 30 minutes late to the interview. And he was really apologetic, and he found out that he had come from a soup kitchen, like he was, um, you know, volunteering there. And he had pictures of, of, you know, a very young Jabari as a freshman, and pictures of him uh, as a senior in high school. And I just think this is a really high character guy. His father was, you know, with him every step of the way, preparing him as, you know, an NBA player and a shooter, and you know, his competitiveness and, and desire to win. These are just like extremely desirable traits to me, and I don't want to you know, get into all these different player types, but like, you know, there's a lot of guys who are extremely talented and they come in thinking to themselves, like, you know, how can I, what, what can this game do for me? And how can I be, get my 20 and 10 and stuff like that. And Jabari just, to me, I may be wrong, but it seems that he really has a different mindset where he's coming in. Like, I just want to win. Let's win. Um, and, and I'm hopeful that his work ethic and, and desire to win, you know, sort of becomes infectious in the locker room. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He, uh, I think he is going to be a culture setter. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be the most vocal guy in the locker room, but between him and the other guys they drafted this year, I think both in the locker room and on the floor, we're going to get a real dose of, of a winning mentality that maybe we didn't have as, as much of. At the end of at the end of the regular season, so so Dave, t- tell us what do you think we're getting with Tari Eason at seventeen? Yeah, I was going to actually segue into him. Um, I think as far as his measurables, his hustle, his motor, which is what Rafael Stone mentioned as well, to be a great defensive player, they're all there. So like I think, especially the size of his hands, his his size, his athleticism. I, I mean it's potential to be a special defender and i'm in love with that my only concern on tari and by the way i love the pick i'm with you he was 12th on my board jabari was one tai tai was 20 i mean to get that where that you know 317 and 29 is fantastic but um you know tari uh, the questions i have are mainly just how is he going to fit into a defensive scheme in the sense of uh you know truly a smart 
skilled high IQ defender, meaning, you know, understands switches, understands reads, schemes, um, and and also can be sort of a captain of that because I think he's definitely got – I mean, I know people are talking about Herb Jones, but he's got some of those similar qualities. I don't think he's quite as, as you know, strong of a defender as Herb Jones. I hope he proves me wrong, but still really good. It's just a matter of, like, sort of that, that team IQ to defensive IQ. It's sort of a similar question I had about Jalen Duran. Um, can he fit into the team scheme of it? Because I know if, if the Rockets just – take Tari Eason in a year or two and say, hey, go out and shut down that guy. I think he can do a very effective job of it. But, um, you know, understanding switches and pick and rolls and short rolls and all that, let, let's see how uh, how well he does in those schemes. Yeah, I mean, he's got the raw tools for sure. I mean, his length, his athleticism, his quickness. Um, I mean, defense, I think, is where he's going to make his mark. But at the same time, I mean – that guy could draw some fouls at LSU. He was a put his head down and get to the basket against anyone. And I think, you know, almost as much as his defense, they have to love his aggressiveness on offense, being able to draw fouls and get to the free throw line. And his free throw rate is tremendous. I mean, it's really good. I think, I mean, I may be wrong here, but I tend to think Daryl Morey looks at Tari and like, yeah, I, I need Tari and like, he would check a lot of boxes, um, you know, sort of in, in some spreadsheets, you know, if you will. So I think there's a lot to like about Tari. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Just the, the fact that you can now ha- you now have Jabari and Tari, two guys who are switchable, um, tall, long defenders. And I, what I also love about Tari is he's not a zero offensively. Like we're talking about him as being this elite defensive prospect, but I mean, he, he, you know, he came off the bench at LSU, played the vast majority of those, I think, 29 of his 33 games coming off the bench as a six-man. Uh, he was a, a big offensive spark. A lot of it ran through him, where he just sort of, you know, created the offense. And, and he is right-hand dominant. He's got some a lot of things to to work on with his left hand and going left and things of that nature. But, um, you know, his his free throw percentage is 80 percent. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, like. You know, for a guy that you we're all questioning his three-point shot, and it actually ended up being around 36%, which was decent, um, you know, he shot 80% from the line. So, so I just think there's a, a lot to love about Tari Eason. Yeah, and if he didn't have these small flaws, he'd be a top 10 pick for sure. So, you know, you, you're grateful to get, you know, you're grateful to get someone with a few little flaws here and there fall to you at 17, and you just coach him up and, and hope that he turns into that top 10 caliber player. Yes, that's exactly right. Because I think, you know, a guy like Tari, like you, you put him in the G League and he's going to be, I don't want to say ball dominant, but he's going to, you know, run a lot of offense. In the NBA, they need to maximize his strengths. He's not going to be, you know, any kind of primary facilitator or anything of that nature. Um, so he's going to have to, to find a role and be, you know, okay with that role. He should not have any problem doing that. He's got all the skills and everything to be able to do it. So, um love that pick i mean that's yeah your... i mean and one other thing i'll say is that that you know the word is other than just what what you see but the word is that he is extremely communicative on defense which i think is one of the most underrated qualities of defense you know pj tucker one of his best yes. traits was he he would talk on defense he was quarterbacking that defense on the court in real time telling guys so, you know, when picks are coming, when to switch, when to drop. And if that's the kind of attitude and communication on defense we're going to get from Tari, I'm, I'm ecstatic. 
See, I actually hadn't heard that, and that's fantastic. Uh, if that's the case, then beautiful. Because I think, um, you know, to have two guys who truly care about the defensive side of the ball and have the measurables, it's not – I mean, I love Jay Sean Tate, and I'm not trying to criticize Jay Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate's going to be a, a, a fine role player on any team, and, you know, maybe he stays here. But he, there's physical limitations with Jay Sean Tate, right? I mean, he's a different kind of player, 6'4", six, 6'8", six, wingspan. You know, Tari Eason has a 7'2 wingspan, you know, he's 6'8 in shoes. And, and of course, we know about Jabari. Um, I mean, the Rockets are, you know, especially if they down the line add a legit rim protector that can at least back up or balance Shingun. I mean, they, they could be a, a fearsome defensive team in a few years. So this is a great I mean, for, start. For all those fans that said, man, I love Jay Sean Tate. I wish he was a little taller and longer. Well, here you go. <laughs> yeah, we introduced uh, Tari Eason to those people. Yeah, um, that great, great pick. And, and it's funny, like, you know, David, I was saying this earlier, very rarely when fans sort of like say, hey, you know, we want to get this guy here and this guy there, like, does it actually go that way, right? I was sitting there thinking they're going to take Bochamp or, you know, they're going to throw some curveball at us, uh, Jake Loravi or something of that nature. And they took Tari Eason, who most Rocket fans have been clamoring for for several months. So um, loved it. And, you know, you met, we talked a little bit about the tw- uh, the 26 pick and trading with Minnesota and picking up a couple seconds, which to me for three spots in the, in the late first round, that's a very good return. Um, especially considering you, you know, we're probably going to take Ty Ty at, at 26 anyway. I don't think anybody who went 26, 27, 28 was was going to be the, the pick necessarily for the Rockets. And you get a guy like Ty Ty Washington, who was, you know, a five-star recruit at Kentucky, was really outstanding first half of the season with uh, the Wildcats. And then he kind of he got injured midseason, struggled in some games. But he's a guy who kind of played out of position, played a lot of two-guard and when he was thrust into the point guard role, was really good. You know, I think he broke John Wall's record, had 17 assists in a game. Um, you know, he, it's the rim pressure that's really the big deal, the athleticism as far as the knock, the swing thing for him. So, but as far as shooting, defense, um, passing, I mean, it's there for Ty Ty. So I think it's a great move in the sense that they have some insurance for KPJ. And, you know, they also have a guy who might be more of a, a true point guard. I know I know KPJ has his strengths and his skills, but Ty Ty might uh, be closer to that archetype. Yes. I mean, he, he is, you know, I think Dacian Nix is more of a pure point, but I, I think Ty Ty is the perfect blend of point guard skills, shooting, defense, passing, um, I think he measured out just shy of six four in in shoes, so he's got legit combo guard size. Um, you know, I know it's it's a little bit lazy to just point to the school, but we've seen that the the Calipari Kentucky teams have a long history of developing guards that don't really show their full skill set in college and SGA. go on to be much better pros. Um, Talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander as an example, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's yeah, Shea, uh, Devin Booker, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey. I sure. mean, that's just the last few years. Um, but he also played on a Kentucky. Uh, Ty Ty also played on a Kentucky team that had a lot of bigs, didn't have much shooting. Like you said, he had to play off ball a lot because they had another high, uh, you know, high caliber prospect uh, point guard on their team. 
So you put him in an NBA offense with a spread offense where you have bigs who can shoot from outside like Jabari. Um, I, I think he could be a much better pro than what he showed at Kentucky. And what he, even what he showed at Kentucky, I thought, it, you know, it was not a stretch to say he's a late lottery pick. And to get him at 29, I was just over the moon. Yeah, Rafael Barlow of NBA Big Board, I talked about how, you know, he felt like the Rockets got three guys that at one point in the season were considered lottery picks, um, a, a pretty safe bet. So um, Ty Ty was definitely in the lottery discussion. I saw him mocked even not that long ago as high as like 10 to, to 14 range. So um, well, even uh, Sam Vecini, who's one of the top draft guys for the athletic, I mean, he's the top draft guy for the athletic one of the most respected draft guys, period. Yes. Uh, on his final big board, he had Ty Ty 14. Wow. Yeah, see, that's – and to get that, I'm surprised with some of the point the teams that need point guards that he was passed on, that maybe the Knicks didn't, you know, trade into the mid-20s and snag him or, or something like that. So uh, just a, a fantastic pick for the Rockets. You know, one thing we didn't see in the draft was – uh, Eric Gordon get traded, which I don't want to say was a surprise, but like that was a another sort of opportunity. We see a lot of moves go down at draft day. What were your thoughts on that? Him not getting getting traded? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm always going to have conflicting emotions about an Eric Gordon trade because he's one of my favorite Rockets. Period. Yeah. Um, and the trades that are being the trade proposals that are being offered for him aren't necessarily commensurate with how I value him. Um, the the one that was rumored heading into the draft was Philadelphia and Daryl Morey trying to get Gordon using, and I think it was either, either the 23rd pick or Matisse Thibel, uh along with Danny Green's uh, contract, which they ended up, uh, they ended up using the 23rd pick and Danny Green's contract to get, uh, DeAnthony Melton from, from Memphis, which I think was a really smart trade by the Sixers. And now that they don't have Danny Green's contract and they don't have a future pick they can trade for quite some time, uh, it's hard to, and, and, and Melton is a similar, plays a similar role to Eric Gordon. It's hard to see a fit with Philadelphia anymore for an Eric Gordon trade. And, and with them off the board, it really, cuts down the, the number of viable options that, that at least I see. Yeah. I mean, you, you'll still have Phoenix out there uh, as a potential trade partner, but, you know, the odds that he gets traded, I think, went down a lot after draft night. Yeah. Uh, it's I don't want to say unfortunate. I just feel like, hey, it, it, just, it just feels like it's best for him to be on a team where he can win, and it's best for the Rockets to get something for the future. Um but you're right. They got to stick to their guns. They deserve, in my opinion, uh, he's worth a future first round pick. I understand it's a tough balance between his roughly $20 million salary and, um, you know, as well getting that first. But if you're taking back mostly dead weight in salary, uh, he's absolutely worth a, a first. And I, I still think it's possible a team like Phoenix could step up, uh, Minnesota, some somebody who wants to make that move forward because. You know, you just don't see many NBA players with experience and and smarts and savvy that can, you know, both defend and shoot threes available. You know, anything. Right. And, and let's play it out. Let's say they made a trade for either the 23rd pick or Matisse Thibel with Philly. Then what? You know, you get. Let's say you get Thibel, fantastic defensive player. He's going to want a big contract next summer. 
And where does he fit in the rotation? Because I'd rather give those minutes to Tari Eason. Um, let's say you get the 23rd pick. Well, what do you, that's one, uh, just another first round rookie you're going to have to find minutes for. Right. And quite frankly, I'd put Ty Ty Washington ahead of anyone else at 23. I mean, they probably would have gotten Beauchamp at 23, but quite frankly, I like Ty Ty more than Beauchamp. So, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, it, it, you, you're oversaturated with young players at this point. Uh, I don't think any of those, those Gordon trades were even going to necessarily help the rebuild. So I'd rather just hold on to them then. Yeah, it's true. It, it, I, I'm with you 100%. And I don't consider Thigh Bowl enough of a, uh, a lure or a, a temptation as far as moving Gordon. I mean, maybe, you know, you did a, a year or two ago, but he has not shown any improvement offensively. Like you said, he's, he's due a contract. That, that's not where I would want to go. I think uh, Rafael Stone's playing this smartly. We'll see what happens as we go into the season. If he's not traded between, <clears throat> excuse me, between now and then. And I still think that's, um, that's possible, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hope for Eric's sake they can find a good trade because I would like to see him on a playoff contender. Cause I really, you know, we've seen everything he's done for this team in the playoffs over the years. I'd like to see him doing that for another team this, this season, just for his own, for his own good. But, you know, I, I love him so much on this team. If the, if the Rockets aren't going to get a good trade that makes real sense for them, I'd rather just keep, I mean, mentors, the guy, guys, this, this Rockets team, it was like night and day, two different teams when he played versus didn't play. I mean, this was a dumpster fire when he didn't play, and we actually had some semblance of an NBA team when he did. So uh, I'm fine with him sticking around too. Yeah, and it's I'm not changing my tune in the sense that I still want you know the, a, a trade to work out for all parties involved, but I, I do think EG could be a really good uh, mentor or somebody who could – be a good influence with uh, Jabari. I, I think that those two would would do well as far as just uh, you know focusing on winning and, and that being the main goal. Uh, it's we got the summer league coming up, so you're gonna, we're going to see Jabari versus Paolo against Orlando. We're going to see Jabari versus Chet, I believe, against OKC. Um, that's always going to be fun. I, we'll, we'll find out what the actual Rockets summer league roster is soon, um, whether Shangun plays or you know anybody from from last year's squad i expect Knicks at least to be there um but it's going to be another another fun one and it's david the rockets now have as you mentioned i mean they're adding three significant players this year out of the draft they had five last year um and all of these guys at least they hope to play with real time that's eight so it, and not to mention you've got kpj and, and you've got um tate and, and kj martin which they still have to figure out a solution to does something have to give here as far as a consolidation move? I mean, I think so. Uh, you know, especially after the Christian Wood four for one trade, the Rockets now, assuming you're giving contracts to all three first round rookies, which of course you are, the Rockies, the Rockets are now sitting on 19 guaranteed contracts for this upcoming season. Um, yes, they'll probably move off of some of those Mavericks player contracts, but even after they do that, um, I think I, I would expect them to pursue at least one outside free agent. I think ideally they may look at a, a rim protecting center. Um, may, you know, I, before the draft, I would have considered seeing, oh, maybe they find another veteran point guard for the minimum just to be a third point guard and, 
you know, in case Station Nix falters. You have some of it. Now you got Ty Ty. I don't think they necessarily need a veteran point guard. But, yeah, <laughs> I don't know where you fit all these players. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a competitive training camp. But I would like to see the Rockets try to make some sort of consolidation move, whether in the next week or later in the summer. You know, uh, Jonathan Fagan had an article talking about kind of the Rockets heading into free agency and kind of casually mentioned, number one, the um, aggregation date on the Mavericks players we got for Christian Wood. They cannot be aggregated and traded. You can't combine them and trade them until August 24th. And later in his article, he mentioned, well, you know, given timing of certain things, the Rockets may hold on to some of the players. So maybe – we don't have no clue how this roster's shaken up till we get closer to training camp, and then they can make a real consolidation move. Yeah, this is going to be that. That's going to be interesting because, really, we're going we're leading up. I mean, it's a year from now to the big one, right? 2023 offseason. This is this is the the capper, right? I mean, the, the the frosting, the cherry on top, whatever you want to call it. You're going to have a very big draft. You got two picks in that draft currently, and you have all that cap space, you know, coming. To you, which could be in the seventy to seventy-five million dollar range, if they really want to go all cap space. This is uh, they, they're they're going to have a very interesting time between now and then, as far as as you mentioned, consolidating, creating some roster spots, trying to get as much high-level talent. But I feel like there's so much promising right now. You've got Jalen and Jabari, you've got Shangun possibly, you've got Eason now. Uh, you've still got to figure out, you know, as far as KPJ, if if he's part of your future. Uh, you know, I mean, I think he is, but it's if he's the starting point guard. You got Ty Ty, you got um, Garuba, Christopher, Knicks. I mean, there's just a lot to like about the Rockets, um, their future, and they've got another gem coming up. And David, I'm going to throw this out there as well. The Brooklyn Nets look like they may be falling apart. It's possible, not not definite, but if they fall apart, I mean, it's just raining. You know, pennies. It's just like all, or, you know, the Rockets are just becoming rich overnight. Yeah, I'm the Jack Nicholson and anger management gif over and over and over. Every time I hear news about uh, the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie and Katie maybe wanting out and Instagram stories from Damian Lillard that have Kevin Durant in a Portland Trailblazers jersey, um, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, just the schadenfreude is at an all-time high here. <laughs> I mean, and it's funny, right? Because this is the one year that's probably left out of all the debt where it's not as bad if the Nets fall apart, right? I mean, granted, if they fall apart, that doesn't mean they're going to be really good next year. It, 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 so it's a great sign for the Rockets. And the Rockets will take, hey, they'll have, if, if for some reason the Nets fell apart this year and they're in the lottery, hey, two cracks at the lottery, right? They, but – it's the year where if Brooklyn was to struggle, they're probably going to get a good pick regardless, right? I mean, they're either getting their pick or Houston's because of the swap. Next year, the Rockets plan to be better, or they're at least going for the playoffs, and and the Rockets will actually outright own Brooklyn's pick, and so I don't think they'll ever have this opportunity again if they were to have any kind of transition year um, for their for their future. Yep, I mean, in, I I think we were all looking at the time of the trade that we didn't think that the first three years of the deal was going to amount to much. We we figured the 21 and 23 pick swaps were were going to be worthless, and that the 22 pick was probably going to be like the 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 2022 pick was probably going to be like in the last five of the first round. Well, <laughs> our first real 
pick asset turned out to be the 17th pick. We got Tari East and a lottery talent um, with that pick. So we're already ahead of the curve. But I think mo- most people were looking at, okay, the 25 swap, the 26 pick, the 27 swap as the ones that could really be valuable. Because you think that even if even if the Nets went on to win a couple championships, that they would be on the downswing by then and the Rockets would be on the upswing. So th- there's a lot to look forward to. This We got five more years of this. Or we can use some of that upside and, and package it together to make a big move. You know, there's just a lot of really good ammunition to have in your belt. Yeah, absolutely. Things are really looking up there. Um, let me ask you this, as far as, and before we wrap it up and I'll let you go here is before, or, you know, leading up to this draft and free agency, the cap space of the Rockets are going to have, what's, what's next? What's the big need now, right? We, we were talking about how they need defensive wings. Well, they've gotten, they got two here that are uh, big upside prospects. Um, they kind of could use some point guard insurance. They got that. There was talk about, you know, maybe a, a rim-protecting center, at least as a compliment to Shingun, and also hedging your bets there, scoring wing. What are you seeing as needs in, in uh, the 23 draft and free agency as your, your two big means, or I should say cap space, not free agency, but your two big ways to improve this roster when they actually are starting to become a good team? I mean, I, again, I love this draft so much, and it addressed so many needs that yet, yeah, look, I have no illusions. This was the worst team in the league two years in a row. I don't expect this team to be contending for the playoffs next season. But as far as the the quality young talent we have up and down the lineup, there's not a lot of gaping holes. Again, I wouldn't mind seeing them making a run at a rim protecting athletic center this summer just to plug a, what I think is a small hole. Uh, unless you think Garuba can be that. Um, I think ideally I'd like to see someone like a Mo Bamba or maybe still Nick Claxton from Brooklyn and further, further, uh, hurt, hurt their, their team. Someone like that to help you for next year. But I just want to see these guys develop. I don't know if I'm targeting anyone necessarily for next summer. Um, but just, you, you just improve. Maybe you end up trading a couple of the young guys for a, a veteran that's just a lot better than them. Um, the, the one, the one thing I really have my eyes on for next year, uh, is a seven foot three, 18 year old Frenchman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that's what I have my eyes on. Yeah, exactly. And I think the beauty of that draft is, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people or a lot, excuse me, a lot of teams tanking. I mean, maybe not right now, cause right now it doesn't look like there are, but going in, uh, you know, to the deadline when things start to not look quite as rosy for some teams. We're going to see some sell-offs and some some teams heading south. Um, you know, the, as you know, the odds of getting you know the number one pick at best are fourteen percent. It's not great, but this draft is deep enough with high-level talent that I, I think we're going to see a tank fest when it comes down to it. When it becomes clear these teams are not making the playoffs, um, unless they just have you know every reason like Sacramento to just make the playoffs I think you're going to see some teams go away from it and we may see uh Portland and OKC that the nonsense that they pulled down the stretch of this this past year we may see that two threefold yeah I mean I think worst case scenario for this team or I mean it within the realistic range um worst case scenario is they end up with 
pick in the five to ten range. But even then, I think you're getting a player who could end up being one of your, the top five guys on your roster. So when you put that together with Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, I mean, you have such a good foundation. Plus, you know, you're, you're, you're inching towards double max cap room. Uh, not to say that you're going to be able to use it on two superstars, but uh, even if you can't, you have that young base, the ability to take on bad contracts for even more picks that you can use in trades later to get a, a, a big name. Um, the flexibility is tremendous. Uh, you know, if, if you're a Houston Rockets fan or an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, you have to just have the widest smile about your future. Or a Detroit Pistons fan. By the way, they had a fantastic draft as well. Oh, they, my gosh. All, those teams are just – they have such bright futures. Yeah, I mean, how they were the ones that, that were considered, quote-unquote, the losers, right, to come up to be the fifth pick of the draft. And, I mean, even though that it's not like they lost, they just – you know, it's just one well, of those the, situations. The, the, fortunately for them, they had a, a bunch of real losers picking immediately before them. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no <laughs> offense to Monty McNair, who I really like. Yeah, and you have to. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Monty did great there, but I have to think there's some uh, influence there on, on that pick. But yeah, they get Jaden Ivey, and then really just use a player on their roster and, and sort of some cap space to, to scoop up Jalen Duran. And what's interesting, David, is. Charlotte, if I'm not mistaken, were the ones who used that pick to take Duran, trade Duran, and then took uh, Mark Williams at 15. And I, I was surprised by that because when we heard about Duran going 13 to Charlotte, it just made sense that that's who they were going to to play and keep. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. Detroit was – their feature is very bright as well. If Duran they, hits – They even got my draft sleeper in the second round. They got uh, Gabriel Prochita from Italy – who I thought was the maybe the best stash pick in the whole draft. So that they're going to have him overseas developing, and he could end up being a really quality player too. So they they did Detroit did fantastic, I thought. Yeah, and o- almost as well as us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And OKC had an interesting draft as well. I mean, I, I like it. I didn't like think it was insanely good, but I thought you know they've certainly got a lot of talent there. I like Jalen Williams a lot. Chet, of course, I like which Jalen Williams? Yeah, exactly. You probably saw those two did that Spider-Man pointing at each other. Uh, it, that was hilarious. Yeah, it, it, I loved it. Exactly, and um, yeah, it was a fun draft. Things went really well. I, man, I appreciate you hosting the party. It was a blast. All of you guys, Ben, uh, Brianne, uh, you all wearing Clutchman shirts, and me not getting the memo and showing up in a Dynamo shirt was um, quite the interesting <laughs> contrast. But I really appreciate you guys and, and the support. So. That was uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, it's but ladies a- and gentlemen, go go to, to the Clutch Fan store and buy yourselves a Clutch Fan shirt. They're awesome. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just a, a great night. So much fun. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is I have so much fun at your at your house with the, at the party because there's people there were all talking details. And we've had so many of these parties where, you know, the Rockets have the 42nd pick of the draft, and that's it. And we still are having such a blast because all these teams are making moves and we're, we're, you know, trying to figure out why this team's doing that. And, and, and it's just such a good time. So for the last two years to the, for the Rockets to have seven first round picks, um, you know, pulling off two trades, uh, it's just been so much fun. And so I appreciate you hosting it. It was a great time. And that's my pleasure. I was telling, I was telling, uh, Stacy that, uh, I ate a lot less 
this year because the Rockets had picks like spaced out and I could I wasn't like bored and just started eating I was constantly in because you're gonna see oh well the Rockets are coming up in a few picks <laughs> <laughs> oh it was it was nuts man I, I gotta tell you because as I was pulling up to your house it was like I was starting to hear some of that buzz about Paolo going number one and I'm like are you kidding? I, I, I just was like, I, I, re, I was in refuse to believe it mode the whole time. Like, okay, if it's really happening, then it's somebody's trading, you know, cause I'm just, we don't see this happen to where a team at number one, um, you know, does something like this. And so I'm like, what's going on? What's, what's happening here. But just so fascinating when you consider the kind, you know, the contrast of the night before all that, um, those Vegas odds shifting radically towards Paolo going number one. And in the morning, them correcting back hard and Jabari's the overwhelming favorite. Such a weird, wild experience before the draft. Um, but for me, for it to ultimately come up Jabari when I had zero expectations that the Rockets would get him going into the draft um, was just surreal. It was so fun. And uh, I, I, like I said, I appreciate you having it because we had a really, really good time. We, we were so happy for you, Dave. As happy as I was for the Rockets to get a great player in Jabari, I was so happy for you because I don't think I've ever seen you this happy. <laughs> well, we, like I said, we, we never get the guys that we want, you know, and it just it rarely happens. And I think it happened at least in two spots here. And Ty Ty was such a great um, pick to, to fall to at 29. So just a, a really fun draft. The Rockets are, I mean, the future is really bright. Things are looking really good. Um, and I got to tell you, just with the Christian Wood deal and the draft, it, it's continuing to build a faith and a confidence in, in Rockets GM Rafael Stone that, that I, you know, I was tentative to give him um, early on because I just didn't know. A lot of this has been based on some good fortune and luck, and I think he's he's got the right idea and the right vision for the team. Yep. No, kudos again to Rafael Stone, Eli Widas, Patrick Fertitta, and the whole Rockets front office. The last three years, if you count getting K.J. Martin at 52 in the 2020 draft, the last three years, the Rockets have absolutely crushed the draft. And you got to hand it to them. They've done a marvelous job. Absolutely. That is David Weiner. You know him as Bema Thug on both Clutch Fans forums and on Twitter. David, thanks again, man. We'll do it uh, again here soon. Probably, I'm sure, if you want to discuss Summer League as that comes up, we'll, we'll do it then. I can't wait. Yeah.